As a business and leadership mentor, wife, and mom, I know that building a legacy business as a high-performing female entrepreneur can be overwhelming when you play many demanding roles in your life. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. You can be a powerful, high performer in your career, plus enjoy a fulfilling marriage and be a great mom all at the same time. Join me and my guests every week to get the inside scoop on what it really looks like to build a high growth business while living a life truly aligned with your family and personal values. Welcome back to the Built to Last show. I am so excited for our guest today, Nita. What's up, Nita? Happy to have you here today. Thanks for having me, Megan. Awesome. Awesome. I cannot wait to share you with all of our listeners because you are such a wealth of knowledge and experience. And I was just telling Nita, I don't always read everyone's bio, but I just think she is so epic and so cool. So I'm actually going to read it because I don't know if she would say all these things about herself. If I was just like, Hey, tell us who you are and your story. She might leave some of these things out. And I think it deserves some airtime, um, for everyone to hear about her accomplishments accomplishments and her background. So let me tell you a little bit about Nita, and then we're going to dive into a really juicy conversation about innovation. And also we're going to talk a little bit about how to raise really happy, kind kids as a female entrepreneur. Um, I think that's a conversation that we can have a lot more these days. So here we go. Nita is a top tier business consultant, mindset coach, and former Fortune 500 executive with more than two decades of experience in marketing and business. Her consulting and coaching business centers around innovation, customer centricity, and building businesses in the way that maximizes its value and impact, a key factor in her own success. Nita helps coaches, consultants, experts, thought leaders, and service providers become a category of one by helping them reinvent, innovate, and reposition their business to maximize its value and impact. Nita is the author of the One to Millions Entrepreneur and host of the One to Millions Entrepreneur podcast show. Go check that out. She also has a master's and bachelor's degree in business and marketing and is currently completing her research as part of her PhD in social psychology. She's a regular contributor to Forbes Entrepreneur and Brains Magazine and has been featured on Business Insider, Fox, ABC, CNBC, USA Today, and other media. Nita, welcome to the show. Uh, Fill us in on... Your backstory. How did you, how did you get to where you are? Um, and, and fill us in on a little bit on your business. Yeah. Well, where should I start? Um, I actually started my career in Fortune 500 companies. You know, I was a product manager, brand manager for brands like L'Oreal. Uh, worked for companies like Unilever, mostly all the FMCG brands, fast-moving consumer goods, um, skincare, uh, makeup brands. Um, I worked uh, for Rakit Ben Kieser. I worked on the debt toll brand, the you know hygienic liquid cleaning um, <laughs> thingy. Uh, so I worked for many uh, global brands. And after um, you know, it was around five or six years. Um, I just knew that corporate, the corporate world, was not for me. You know, I'm just not cut out to follow rules and do things you know in the same way as everybody else has been doing. I'm just constantly challenging roles and, and norms and like, you know, thinking 
there's a better way to solve this. There's a better way to do this. Why, why are people doing the same thing over and over again? You know? And at that time, I didn't really understand myself as I do today, but in hindsight, I, my number one strength on every strength assessment is ideation. So it's, it's essentially creativity, you know, and, and when I say creativity, it's not really artistic. It's uh, I do have that artistic side, but creativity really means you're creative in, in finding ways to solve a problem. And so I have this intrinsic, this, this internal need to invent, to create new things, to solve new problems, to find challenges, you know, Uh, it's just an internal drive that I have like constantly, you know? And so I left the corporate world. I, you know, got married, had a kid and I started, um, I had, by that time I had many businesses. Like I've always had like a business, you know, from the age of 13. Um, but this was like my first serious, uh, business, adult business. <laughs> and it was like, um, a, a child development center. That's when I got into the world of psychology and I like, I, I understood myself, you know, why I was always this curious person that wanted to understand human behavior and just wanted to know how things worked. You know, when I was like five years old, when everybody was just like having ice cream and running around, I was thinking about like the universe, you know, I was like asking questions about the universe and how things worked and all that. So I always had this, like, I was so intrigued about all these things in the world. And so when I got into child psychology, I discovered this is my passion. And then I went all in, you know, I got into coaching, got into, um, I'm now a master certified coach through the International Coach Federation. So I went all in, did the whole thing in coaching. Um, I run, one of the businesses that I run is a coach training school. So for people that want to be trained and, and certified as a professional coach. And then the other business is a consulting business. And so I, um, I help coaches, consultants, thought leaders, service providers that, that really want to provide a unique and innovative solution to an important problem that still exists in the world. Um, it could be a problem that, you know, people don't even know about it yet. Mm-hmm. So those are the kinds that I work with. And yeah, pretty much that, uh, that, that, top, that from the beginning of that child development center, that was like 15 years ago. Um, and yeah, ever since I've just been in this, with this obsession of people, human development and psychology and helping people. And yeah. So uh, a couple of years ago, I started to, I decided to, you know, go back and do a PhD um, just because I wanted to, I'm just a learner. You know, I love learning new things. It's just like, it's Disneyland for me, you know, like going into the world of psychology. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like the nerd type, you know, if uh, you're familiar with Enneagram, I'm the type five and you know, it's socializing is not easy for me. Uh, it never has been, but when I got into this world where I get to meet my, you know, like-minded people, people like you, I can talk for hours and hours. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, it, was, it has been a really fun and exciting, you know, journey for me. So that's yeah. how I got to where I am today. <laughs> I love it. I am a fellow nerd right there with you. I think you're in, are you fairly introverted as well? I am an introvert. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm also really, I'm so introverted too. I love learning. I love hearing that you like, you got your MCC through the ICF. You're getting your PhD. I love it that you love to learn. 
that's the funny thing about us uh, introverts. We, we can actually talk for hours, believe it or not, listeners, um, introverts can talk for hours and it has to be on something that we're obsessed about. So if we're obsessed about it, you cannot shut us up, but once we're done, we're done. Yeah. 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 Exactly. It was so funny because I was in, um, a long time ago, I was getting certified on the Myers-Briggs, right? The MBTI, or, you know, some of you might know it as the 16 personality type. Mm -hmm. And I was in the workshop and everybody had to describe their own type and I'm the INTP, right? Um, so similar type as all the nerds, like, you know, Elon Musk, Bill Gates or whatever, like all the super nerds. And everybody was like, waiting to see this really quiet, nerdy professor personality, right? Um, but it wasn't like that at all. I was like loud. I was using body language and my hands are moving in the air and drawing pictures and all that. And everybody's like, all the extroverts in the class were like looking at me like, she's more of an extrovert than I am. <laughs> and I was like, no, but but you don't get it. I am an introvert. Like I have to recharge. I like yes, to stay in my yeah. own place. I don't want to go out and party. I don't want to meet lots of people. I'm only, I only look like an extrovert because I'm talking about something that I'm really passionate about. And that's why I'm showing up like this, you know? Yes, so I have yes. some, they call it the out of preference. So I have some behaviors that kind of correlate with the extroverts, but I'm actually an introvert. I, you and I are so alike. I did a personality test. It was, it's called the Neo. I I don't remember what NEO stands for, but the only way you can take it, it has to be, you have to purchase it. It has to be administered by a licensed psychologist. And then, you know, you get a report on that and then you have a call with them and they, you know, go through that report with you. But very similar to you, I have such like off the charts, introverted characteristics but then I also score exceptionally high. Look, I'm using my hands too. If you're listening, you can't see us, but we're both of you are like using our hands. Like we're these big extroverts, but I score really high on being assertive and I score really high on being gregarious. So it's like, you know how to turn it on when you need to turn it on when you're also talking about something that you're exceptionally passionate about. So I totally get that. Um, so introverts listening, never use, I'm an introvert as like this label that holds you back because- yeah. It doesn't need to. Um, Okay. I've got a couple of questions for you, just based on what you shared about you are someone who loves creativity and you are, you are full of ideas and you just listed off. I mean, when I introduced you, you have accomplished so many things. And you also talked about the number of businesses that you've had pre-interview. You were sharing that you're starting two new businesses. We also know you're a mom of a, a teenager. So everybody listening to this is an entrepreneur and by nature entrepreneurs have a lot of ideas not all entrepreneurs follow through with their ideas so how do you manage or navigate having all these ideas sometimes multiple ideas at one time you've got multiple business going on at once how do you approach actually implementing and executing on those and then following through and seeing them through so that they actually grow into the vision that you have without like starting and stopping or starting it. And then it crumbles and falls to the ground. Yeah. Well, I've, I've done actually both, you know, I've run, I've done like, I actually had a fashion business and I also like kind of went all in as well. So I I go all in whether or not it's the right business or not, but then to a point you discover, well, this isn't the right business. You know, I don't want to be in this anymore. And then you, you stop. Um, the child development center was the same. I 
me and my son kind of grew out of the business, you know, cause he, he grew up there. He was there, you know, from the beginning. And, um, when he turned, I don't know how many years old, but we, we both grew out of it. And I was, I was looking for the next challenge and I was, um, you know, I wanted to make more impact. I wanted to get into more of the, the coaching and, and helping, uh, you know, more, more people make more impact. And so, you know, I think, when you get into a business, it's not necessarily that you have to be with it, the, you know, for your whole lifetime to a point, you might want to pass it on to other people. You know, there might be someone that's a better fit to run that business instead of you. And maybe it's time for you to move on to the next chapter. And so I always say that, you know, today, this is what I'm doing. Maybe in three years, I'll be doing something completely different, you know, and it's at the unknown. You don't know what's going to happen in the future, right? Maybe one day at 4am, I'll have this brilliant idea, you know, and, you know, maybe I'll decide to sell all my business and, you know, go into this one, right? So don't really know. And, um, how, how do I follow through? So if I know that this is like something I'm really passionate about, I really care about, like, I really go all in and I just give it my best, you know? And of course I I have to manage my priorities. You know, I say, for example, you want this business to grow into how many, whatever figure, you know, business, um, eight, nine figures or whatever, you know, you don't, you don't have to do it this year. You know, you, you have plenty of time. You can, you know, maybe you'll give yourself three years, five years or whatever. And maybe you want to run, you know, two or three businesses at the same time, just, just for your fulfillment. Like you, it's a problem you really want to solve. You have this desire to solve, you know, uh, for me, it's not about like, Hey, I want to be a billionaire. I want to make this much money for me. It's like this desire to solve a problem, which at the end of the day, that's why we, we create businesses. Right. So for me, it's not like I'm in this competition of like hustling and I need to do more. I want to do more. I want to be a recognized or accepted or anything like that at all. It's really totally internal. And I just love what I do, you know, and I think something that I've been doing in the past year is really especially focusing on my health and really asking myself like, Hey, do I want to do this? If I don't want to do this, it's okay to not do this. You know, let's, 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 let's binge watch something on Netflix (laughs) or let's just rest or maybe just not work for two weeks or whatever. Right. Um, so self-care. The other thing is I like, as an introvert, I like, I, I work hard, play hard, but I, I recharge like I have to sleep for 10 hours. I can sleep for 12 hours. I can even do 14 hours if I'm very tired. So I'm, I know it sounds really weird to people, but there, I read this on Google and they said that there's 1% of the population or something that needs more than 10 hours of sleep. And I used to, you know, really wonder why this is happening to me, but I do sleep a lot. So I think it's, maybe it's because during the daytime, there's like so much mental activity happening here. And so I, I need to rest a lot. So I think, Sleeping a lot, getting a good sleep is like super important for me. I love sleeping, you know, and yeah, just knowing when to play and when to work, I think really, yeah, yeah. 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 I wouldn't say that I'm someone that's balanced. (laughs) I'm very extreme in everything I do, but you know, I'm not that person that will go like work, work, work and go crazy and and just like be unhappy. You know how some people actually become workaholics and they become stressed and burned out. I'm not like that. You know, I, I work and it's like, for me, it's like going to Disneyland. Like, yep. therefore I'm not burned out. I don't feel tired, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. I get the sleep thing too. I, I love to sleep myself. 
It's one of my favorite things to do. This must be an introvert thing. I'm an INTJ, by the way. Uh, we're um, very similar in the type. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, so you said that you're very driven by your internal desires. And yeah. it doesn't sound like you, you also, it doesn't sound like you get bent out of shape if something doesn't work externally or if yeah. you're not reaching some sort of like monetary amount of money by a certain time. Yeah. It doesn't sound like, you're putting, you're attaching your worth as a yeah. human being to reaching a particular goal or making a certain amount of money. And yeah. you and I both work with a lot of business owners, a lot of coaches, a lot of consultants. We work with a lot of women. I don't know. Do you work with men and women or only yeah, women? Men and women. Okay, men and women. Yeah. I would love to hear like your perspective on finding that internal drive. And not being, and I don't know if this is something you just always, it's always just naturally occurred for you, but can you speak into how you activate the internal drive without attaching yourself emotionally to external results? You know, especially when you're not hitting certain goals, I'm sure you don't always hit every single goal you, you set for yourself. It also sounds like you don't get bent out of shape if you have an idea for a business and it doesn't go too terribly far, or maybe you decide like, that's not what I want to do. You're not being thrown off by that, but so many people you and I both work with or peers or colleagues, they're constantly thrown off by that. And they're, it seems like they're constantly just being driven by the final end result, whatever that result is. Can you just speak into that for a couple of minutes? Yeah. Well, one of the factors is uh, definitely the personality. For me, I think it has always been like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm like the type of person that doesn't care what other people think, you know, like not, not that I don't care whether people think I'm good or evil or anything like, you know, not like that, but I don't attach approval. I don't try to get approval from other people. I do want to, I want people to think that I'm competent, you know, that's a type mm-hmm. five thing as well. Um, but, you know, if, if people are familiar with the Enneagram, there are like, there's the body types and there's the heart type, you know, the feeling types. And then there's the, the mental uh, brain, you know, the, the mental type um, thinkers. So the, I'm the five. So the five is like the five, six, seven are thinkers, right? They're, they use a lot of mental uh, brain energy. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I found is like lots of, it, it is kind of related to personality types sometimes, you know, like when like, for example, the feeling types, they want to be loved, they want to be liked by other people. So uh, oftentimes, you know, type two, two or three or fours, like the helpers, achievers, um, you know, the artists, they tend to, you know, measure their worth through the eyes of other people. Hmm. You know, they, 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 so, so when they're, you know, the outcome of what they do is just like, you know, not, they feel that it's not accepted by people or, you know, I started this business, this program, nobody sees how great it is. You know, they, it's because they attach that, that, that worth to the external world. So I think, I believe that it is part of it is um, really about the personality type. And then the second thing is like self-esteem, you know, mm-hmm. um, if you have a high self-esteem, you really don't care what people think, right? Like, you know, your other th- people's thoughts are other people's thoughts. And what you really concentrate on is like doing your best and, you know, seeing things as they are and, mm-hmm. and being reasonable and using, you know, just not jumping to conclusions and, you know, 
using your emotions and all that. So I think that, yeah, a couple of things, personality type, self-esteem, and I think the conditioning of the world, you know, social norms really mm-hmm. puts pressure on, on people, you know, like, Hey, you're supposed to be doing this. If you're by this age, you need to have this amount of money. You have to have this and that you should be married. You should, you know, uh, that is a, an important factor as well. I believe it's, it's, um, you know, we're, we're, we are all conditioned to all these things that we watch on TV, we consume on media. You know, if you go to Instagram, it is a crazy world out there, you know, like when you're swiping and you're like, oh, wow, this person's life is amazing and she looks great. And, uh, you know, these situations, these factors don't put you in a, a place where you're going to, you know, it, it's going to be hard for you to ignore these things. Right. Right. Because we're humans. Yeah. So another thing is I actually don't consume um, social media like only a little bit, you know, very, very little people think that I'm active on social media because I post my work and stuff like that. But I actually don't really, um, you know, spend time reading, you know, or, or swiping through those things. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I've seen lots of things that you've written on uh, your Facebook, you really you write really good um, posts on your Facebook. So. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, I so resonate with, with what you just said. And I want to go back to, again, something that you were talking about a few minutes ago is this idea around innovation and recognizing problems that still exist, recognizing gaps in things that, you know, have actually existed for a really long time. Pre-interview, Nita and I were talking about public education. Um, I, my first career was a public education teacher and uh, we were talking about her son and doing some homeschooling and hiring tutors, doing some private school and just trying to navigate like what's really going to work for our kids. And just think public education is not anything new, but public education is it's been run the same way for the last 70 to 100 years. So there is so much innovation inside of institutions and organizations that currently exist and have existed for a long time. Now, a lot of, you know, a lot of my listeners are coaches, consultants, service-based entrepreneurs, Okay, so I'm going to connect dots here. Innovation to so many of us are inundated by what's going on in social media. And if you look at the coaching industry, the consulting industry, any, you know, the online expert industry, over the last five years, I'd say it's gotten increasingly worse in terms of everybody sounding like they all have the same expertise or they all have the same genius. And from my perspective, I think largely that's everybody's starting to sound like everybody else because we, we are looking at what everybody else is doing. And then it's like, oh, well, I guess that's the way I'm supposed to sound. I guess that's the way I'm supposed to look. That's what I'm supposed to teach. That's how I'm supposed to construct, construct my program or my offer, my products, whatever. And I know that you also help people and you've done this yourself, differentiate themselves really owning your ultra genius. So living in this world that we do live in, where we are privy to what everybody else is doing, where many, many people have this idea or thought, like I've got to look and sound like everybody else in order to be successful. How do we shift and realign with our ultra genius so that we can fill the many gaps that exist that would honestly just give people such a breakthrough pathway and, and help them bust out of this sea of sameness. Where should I start? That's like a question I could like, you know, I could go for three hours. 
that I'm going to nerd out and I'm going to go into all the strategies and what we do. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in my brain, like, where do I start and how do I not overcomplicate this, uh, this question here? Um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a really big problem in this space yeah. and getting worse, isn't it? Now that, you know, people are starting their own businesses and, it's kind of natural for people to, when you don't know what you're going to do yet, you're just like looking out there and seeing, you know, well, there's, well, you know, opening a coffee shop seems like a great idea. You know, everybody's opening a coffee shop. I should open a coffee shop, you know, Mm -hmm. but business is really counterintuitive, right? Um, What you think you should do is actually the opposite of what you should actually do. So, you know, what I would recommend if you're finding that your service or what you're providing is like, it's not different. It's not unique from other people. And by the way, just having like a unique um, name for your, your services is not being unique, right? It's, it's really about how are you delivering an innovative and unique solution? Like when you look in that industry or in that niche, you know, what are the problems that exist? I, I would just like, I, you know, everybody can just do this small workshop at home, you know, just get a piece of paper and list out all the problems in that industry, you know, every single problem. And I can tell you, you're not going to know all the problems because you are not your clients. You are not your customers, right? So you need to do deep dive interviews. And maybe if you do it yourself, you're not going to get the real, you're not going to get the truth. So that's why you need to hire someone external to do it for you. I, you know, we do a lot of done for you research for our clients, right? And what we find out is totally different from what the business owners think. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get that. I used to work for a coaching company uh, back in the mid 2000 teens. And I was not part of the marketing department, but that company, they they were doing about five to 6 million a year. And we had, you know, three or 400 clients a year going through the same big 12 month coaching program. And it was certification program. They hired a marketing and branding agency. And the very first step in the process before they would do anything with us was you've got to go interview like 40 or 50 of your clients. They kind of gave us a framework. I was the one, and this was not like really part of my role in the company, but to your point, I was the one who actually went and conducted all of those interviews. And you're exactly right. What I was able to pull out of the client, because I wasn't the face of the brand, I was an employee at the company. Um, I was able to pull out so many things that the company owner probably wouldn't have been able to pull out because of the, just the type of conversation they would have had. So you're, that's so true. That's so true. Yeah. But the thing is, I believe that you are an exceptional interviewer. You probably have this because you're, you're in the coaching space, you're a coach, right? So you have the ability to, to, to deep dive and listen, right? Like really actively listen what's under, like what's hiding behind what you're saying. Right. But most people don't have that skill, Mm. right? Like, like, just like, if people are not trained in coaching and all these things, or doesn't have a psychology or research background, right? You're just going to take things at face value. Mm-hmm. So even if you're not the business owner, if you're someone on the team, you know, and you're going out there and gathering feedback, if you don't really want to hear the truth, you're not going to get the truth mm-hmm. because you're just going to, you know, I've, I've seen companies try to interview me to get feedback. They'll just like show up for seven minutes. Hey, it's going to be a seven minute thing. Seven minutes gets you nothing. You know, I, I didn't even start to say anything yet. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like not one of those interviews where you're going to get the truth. And sometimes like 
we most of us don't want to hear the truth because we don't want to feel bad. You know what I mean? We want to hear positive things about ourselves. We want to hear about those five-star reviews. We want to hear about those raving fans, but we don't want to hear about the people that left the program, you know, hated this program or whatever, right? And so statistically, every for every 26 people that is not satisfied with your service, only one person will actually voice it. Wow. So you actually have 25 people leaving and you have no idea why they left. Mm-hmm. And that is like, that is a lot of data. You know, that is very important data that you need to know. But if you're not actively creating these um, customer feedback, customer satisfaction campaigns, not constantly ongoing, gathering these information at a deep level, you will never know what you're doing wrong, right? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you have this beautiful house, but termites are, you know, getting into your house and you have no idea what's going on until a big problem happens. Your sales starts to, you know, plateau, stagnant growth or whatever. And so it's just like really, really important to do these interviews and, um, you know, especially great if you get someone external that has those backgrounds to do it for you, because that's when you get the truth. That's like, I know me, like I'm a direct person, but I will still not, you know, if I was going to give feedback, I don't, you know, I just don't want to have conflict with, with the other person. And so I'm not going to go up and show up and tell you just like, everything that's going through my mind because I don't want to hurt you. You know, I don't want you to feel bad or whatever. Right. And I'm not getting paid or I'm not getting any benefit to do these things, to feel uncomfortable. So why would a client do it? Right. Right. So, um, yeah, you get a piece of paper before I get into a rabbit hole, get a piece of paper and then, you know, find some way to interview your past clients, people that have left you already, uh, current clients, what are they not, you know, deep dive, find, you know, listen for their needs, listen to what is not being fulfilled, listen to sentences like, I wish, blah, blah, blah. Um, You know, I'm frustrated with blah, 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 you know, um, listen, look for the patterns, what are the common struggles that they go through? What do they complain about? You know, um, you know, just just all these, these things that you might not think is a big thing, but they're, they're actually, you know, uh, important evidence that you need to gather. And, you know, Interview, get someone to interview your employees, your team, you know, because they know a lot through working with your clients, right? And, you know, research the industry, look out, what are your competitors doing? What are other people doing? What's working for them? What's not working for them? You know, what you really want to pay attention is like, what's not working, right? Because that's like an unsolved problem. It's an unmet need, right? And, you know, you gather all these information and then you look at your own business and your own company, when I say ultra genius, it's like, yeah, you have, you have many skills, right? Like I'm, I'm good at many things. Maybe you can list like 10 things that you're really great at. You're better than the average person, right? On a couple of things, but really what is your secret sauce? Like if you, if you run a restaurant, there's like that secret menu, you know, that's the, that, you know, that your grandmother gave you this recipe or whatever, and like nobody else in the world has, right? Uh, Maybe yeah, the other 20 menus are great as well, you know, but there's like this one thing that people can't get anywhere, right? And they come to your restaurant just to get that one thing, but they end up buying 20 things or 20 other dishes, right? So it's kind of the same when you're wanting to differentiate your business. You want to look for that secret sauce, like amongst all the 10 things or 20 offers or whatever you have, what is it? really that sets you apart from the competition. You know, what is that secret sauce? And a lot of times you don't really know what it is until you actually go and gather this information. You get feedback from people, you know, like for, for me, for example, I'll give you an example uh, for my coach training program, right? 
um, a common feedback that I get, like when, you know, when I ask them, like, what's awesome about why did you stay? Why did you enroll again? Why did you get into like three of my coaching programs or whatever? I have clients that have worked for me for multiple years, worked with me for multiple years. They got into my business consulting services too, but they started out as like students learning coaching, right? And one thing that everybody would say is that my feedback is like really direct <laughs> and I'm really detailed with my feedback. So that comes with a cost as well. So I'm not good at giving compliments. <laughs> so on the feedback form uh, for my coaching students, it will be like maybe half a page what you did well. And then there's like, you know, three or four pages of like what you can improve. <laughs> and, and all the students will say like, yeah, it felt really bad when I got the feedback, but it was really valuable because like the next session that I submitted to you, the next coaching session that I recorded was much, much better. And I could not have gotten that quick, that, that, you know, better that quick if it wasn't for that feedback. And so that's when I knew that this is my secret sauce, you know, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I teach well, uh, all these techniques, all these uh, methodologies or whatever, right? It's not something that nobody else in the world knows, right? These right. like models and coaching and, you know, thinking and behavior or whatever, right? But I realized that, you know, at least here in, in, in my country, it's like all the other coaching schools, they don't really give that kind of feedback. I know because students from other schools come and learn with me as well. Mm-hmm. And So that's when I knew that this is my secret sauce. So I need to talk about this. I need to emphasize this. I need to be proud about this. I need to just do more of this, you know, and I use this as my differentiating point. You know, who would have thought that, you know, I'm going to sell a coaching program by saying that, hey, I give harsh feedback (laughs) and I'm very direct and, you know, most people will hate it. And um, yeah, the passing rate is very low. It's only like 50% because there's going to be 50% of the class that doesn't go and certify, doesn't go and take the exam, doesn't even, you know, after they get the feedback from me, they're not even going to want to submit another session. Just, they just give up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm very straightforward and I tell people about this and I say that my coaching program is the most expensive there is in the market. Here's the reason why. And so, you know, like we, you, you have to know what is your, what is unique about you and your business? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be something that everybody likes, right? It actually right. has to be polarizing. It has mm-hmm. to be something that, yeah, a group of people like it, but you know, other people are going to hate it maybe. <laughs> and that is going to set you apart from the rest of the competition. You know, that gives you personality, that gives you branding, that gives you differentiating. Um, it gives you a differentiating um point in the market. It gives you a different and um, unique point of view. You really have to have a unique point of view that is different from what everybody else thinks. Yeah. I am obsessed with your response. Um, this, okay. This must just be like such an introvert thing. I don't know, because I am really similar in that the feedback piece giving like very direct, I'm not, you might be more harsh than I am, although I'm, maybe I do come across as harsh, but just very direct, very extremely detailed, extremely thorough. I almost, I was like chuckling inside and you're like, I don't really give compliments. Cause I'm like, dang, I don't really either because I'm giving like feedback that I think is going to propel you forward faster. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not strange because you are, you are an INTJ and I'm an INTP. The first three letters are the same. So that's, right. that's the INT thing. It's yeah. The INT, the NT yeah. thing. Yeah. The there t- you go. Yeah. Okay. So 
You have multi. Okay. So with this ultra genius, like you've identified, this is your ultra genius. And clearly that's what you're incorporating into your coaching business. You've got other businesses though. So is that ultra genius you just described and explained to us that you have the same ultra genius. that's the through line with all the businesses that you're creating, or are you tapping into other geniuses within yourself in your other businesses? Cause you don't just have coaching businesses. That's a genius question. I love that question. <laughs> I love that question. I don't think anybody has asked me that question before. Uh, yeah, it's different. So for my business consulting, my genius in that is, although, yeah, I, I still give that direct feedback, still one of my gifts, um, but it's ideation. So it's the, it's the, the, the inventor's mind, you know, the ability to just come up with ideas like this, like this. And I didn't, I didn't always know it was a special gift until I started to like really come up with all these unique ideas and people were like, how did you come up with that idea? You know, like, how did you think of it? Just like automatically, it was like, you know, that's why when I say, when you're looking for your geniuses, look for something that is easy for you, but it's just like difficult for other people. You know Um, you often will not know what it is because you've always been doing it naturally. It's an unconscious competent competency, right? Um, You're just great at it and you never thought about it. You just have always been doing this your whole life, right? And yeah, so yeah, to answer your question, it's different. It's different for, um, I think it's unique for every business, but you Mm -hmm. you kind of bring all those 10 skills, 10 gifts, and you use it in all your businesses. But in every business, it's going to require kind of like a different ultra genius, I would say. There's like a different secret sauce for each business. Yeah, Yeah. I love it. Gosh, Nita, you're just such a pot of gold over here with, with (laughs) what you are sharing today. And I know that we are uh, kind of running out of time here. So my, here's my last question, because I know you're a mom and again, like listening to you talk, you know, as a, as someone who's listening to this conversation, they might be thinking like, holy cow, how does this woman, you know, start these businesses, run these companies, have multiple companies and businesses going at a time. You're contributing to, you know, podcasts and publications and magazines. And like, people are probably thinking like, how do you even have time to be a mom? Yeah. What, what's your approach to like the motherhood piece and, and spending time with your child, but while also not just losing your identity in that, um, because you are, you're not, you're saying yes, constantly to what you're being driven by. You're, you're constantly saying yes to what drives you on the business side and the innovation side and the idea side. And oh, by the way, you're also a mom. What's your unique approach to navigating and integrating both of those worlds in a way that works for your family? Yeah. Well, the thing is, I have always raised my son in a way that, you know, makes him independent. He's independent. So I think by the time he re- he, re- he reached the age of like seven, eight or nine, he was like, he could take care of himself, you know? Well, I know that a lot of parents these days are like helicopter parents and they, you know, follow them to soccer, play just everywhere, right? It's just like over-parenting. I was never that parent. Um, to a point, I was like really questioning myself when he was really young. Like, I remember he went to school and there was the, this school where all the parents were overprotective. They had all this time to dedicate to their kids. They, did, they didn't have to do anything else, right? And 
there was like a school club at the end of the day where, you know, kids would go to soccer or ballet or whatever. And you have all these parents like sitting around the, the soccer field cheering for their kids. But it wasn't just like one of those uh, special um, matches or anything like that. It was like an after school activity that happened every day. But you would have parents just sitting there every single day, you know, and I was like, oh, well, I can't go go there. I can't do that. I'm running like these businesses. Right. I'm not it's. I, I feel bored. I don't want to go and sit and watch my son just like, you know, kicking balls or whatever. It's just not in my interest. And it's not that I don't love him. I just don't have any interest in doing this. Right. And I think as even parents, we want, we feel pressured sometimes, you know, that, Hey, because every, everybody else is doing it. Am I being a bad mom if I don't show up, you know? And, but, but for me, I always have this kind of internal compass where I like, I know why I'm not showing why I'm not there. Right. And I, I, I explain it to him as well. He, I think one time he asked me like, why are all the other parents there? And why aren't you there? And I don't know whether he, how badly he wanted me there. I don't think he really wanted me there, but he was just like asking me, you know, like, why aren't you there? And I was like, well, honey, I'm running business. Like I'm busy here. I'm needed here. I need to be doing this and this. And yeah, you know, we can spend time doing other things, but I just, I just don't want to go to the soccer field. Right. And I think I've always just been straightforward with him and honest and transparent. And he understands what's going through my mind, what my thinking is. And really, I think how I've kind of done all of this, you know, being mother and business and like a PhD and research and all these things is because I, I prioritize, you know, and I really do the things that matter. So like my son is at the age of 13 and, being a mom now is different from when he was young. Like I would never do a PhD if he was like three years old. Mm. I just can't. Right. And I'm a single mom. So I've, I've just like raised him on my own. I didn't really have no nanny, no support, anything. And yeah, people really like, how did you do it? But for me, I I didn't even feel that it was hard, you know, because Mm. I think when I look back, I think it was the ability to prioritize and be super clear on what's important, what's not, what matters and what doesn't. So because I've kind of raised him in a way that he's independent now that he's 13, you know, I don't have to go and ask him like, he doesn't even like it. If I ask him, did you do your homework? Did you do your reading? Because he has been raised so that he's an independent. He doesn't want that, you know, hands-on mother. He just wants like, you know, just I'm an adult now I can handle my stuff. And so he knows when he, he kind of is the same as me. Like he knows when to play. He's a gamer. So he, when he plays, he goes all in and he's like, I've got to get the score on the game and whatever. But when he's like doing exams and everything, he's preparing for that as well. And mm-hmm. he sets like high goals for that as well. Yeah. And I never went and told him ever that you have to get straight A's. You have to get whatever. I never told him that because I don't believe that getting straight A's is going to make you successful. It could make you successful, but it's not everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've always told him that. But I don't know where when it happened, but he just like came to me and was like, hey, I want like, you know, all these grades. I want to get into this college and all that. Um, And he's I think it's like he took this from me. He's not attached to these external or like, you know, validation or approval from anybody. It's like totally internal. It's not even to please me. It's not to make me happy. It's totally what he wants. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's about really 
thinking about what matters and what doesn't, you know, you don't have to go and do the 99 things that everybody else is doing. If you don't think it matters, if it's not important, because we have limited time resources, we really have to choose. Yes. I love your response. I know our, our daughter is 11. I am also not the sit by the sidelines and cheer when my child does something. Uh, we we have this joke in our house because my husband actually really does enjoy like doing things with her like that. I don't enjoy doing those types of things. And so we have this joke and it's like the, the parents at school, like probably wonder if our child even has a mom because I don't even go to the school. I don't do like parent things at the school. It's not my thing. And I'm a former educator. It's not my thing. And I have businesses to run as well. So if you're listening to this, um, Nita and I just gave you permission that you get to do parenting, motherhood, business, innovation, creativity, like your way. So please go out and do it. No peer pressure. Don't fall (laughs) for it. (laughs) Nita. Oh my gosh. I have adored this conversation and hearing your responses to the questions. Again, you're just such a wealth of knowledge and experience. Um, So it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show today. And how can we, how can people find you? Uh, I know you have a podcast, so share that. That's going to be in the show notes as well. Um, But where, where's the best place for people to, to find you? Yeah, well, um, yeah, people can DM me on LinkedIn um, and uh, Instagram and um, yeah, the One to Millions Entrepreneur Podcast and uh, where else? Um, yeah, basically my website. So my website is under construction at the moment, but we do have a page up for people that want to do a quiz. Um, but our new innovative uh, out of this world website will be finished soon, hopefully. Uh, but yeah, my website is needalert.com. And uh, if anybody's uh, interested in doing, you know, one of those personality type, you want to find your entrepreneur edge, it's a quiz just especially for coaches, consultants, and experts. Um, just go to needalert.com slash quiz. Yeah. Awesome. And you can find that in the show notes below. Nita, thank you so much for pouring into us today. It was a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really, um, really love this conversation with you, Megan. I could talk with you for like five hours. <laughs> I know. We'll, we'll definitely have to do like a round two. Yeah. Come back after I launch my new business idea. We're going to awesome. have so much to talk about that. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Count, consider it done. All right. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And you know where to go find Nita. Thank you so much for tuning into the Built to Last show. If you're loving the show and have gotten any value out of it for your business and life, would you mind doing two things? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Our listener reviews helps us get more visibility and reach more people just like you. Help us make a difference for more entrepreneurs by helping them grow their businesses in a way that aligns with their life, family, and core values. Thank you so much for being part of our community and tuning into the show each week.